Hello, and welcome back to Resist Extremism, the show that covers everything politically extreme and more. This show is sponsored by Illinois Political Reporter and Tantal Records. I am the host, Bonnie Kurowski, an Illinois journalist, social media influencer, and survivor of radicalized extremists and domestic terrorist tactics just for reporting the news. Today, I'm going solo to talk a little bit about my story. In the intro episode, we define extremism, the difference between that and domestic terrorism, and call to action for some new legislation. What I didn't talk about was why I'm here doing this, what my story is, and why I'm helping our country to stop the harm to democracy. Not all our podcasts are going to be solo events, so I want to throw that caveat in. We have some exciting and excellent experts coming on soon, and even some highly controversial ones. I'm also guest starring in other podcasts where you can view those at theillinoisreporter.com upon their release. However, for today, I will talk about my backstory and talk about why this podcast was started and what we hope to accomplish. From 2008 to 2020, I was a small reporter and watchdog over a city in Illinois called Bolingbrook. Bolingbrook was known for the mayor with a million dollar war chest, uh, corruption, and even a lifetime movie based off a corrupt cop called Drew Peterson, whose first wife dies in a dry bathtub and his second wife disappeared, presumed to be in a blue barrel in the canal. There was never a shortage of stories of corruption in the small Chicago suburb, and I was there for all of it. I was born and raised in that community. When the mayor announced his retirement after 30 years in office, I was so excited to report on the first real election that did not consist of the people that he decided worthy to sit in a board seat. One day, I received a tip that a DuPage Township trustee in that town was leaking executive session and confidential information to reporters right after closed-door sessions. I was told it was because this candidate's failed election run in 2018 for state office and her vying for the April 2021 supervisor seat of the township was causing her to retaliate to people. She was scorned and working with these reporters who ran a far right-wing online news source, and they were twisting articles for sensationalized news. They were falsely accusing people at the township of wrongdoing and making her look like some hero. This was a big red flag for me. So as a reporter, I always take my job in reporting seriously. I submitted a FOIA request for all emails or texts that she sent to this online media site. A FOIA is a Freedom of Information Act. I never received my FOIA request, but I was retaliated upon by her, and that's just for asking my elected official to produce it. I will point out that elected officials cannot retaliate if you address your government. It's our rights. The entire point of a FOIA is to question your government and to hold them accountable. However, within 30 minutes of me uh, requesting that FOIA, I was featured on this right-wing media propaganda site. I was doxxed and made it look like some horrible person. What's worse is the confusion to the public was more than enough. People who lived in the town were unaware of these tactics uh, from these uh, politically extreme individuals in town, and they didn't care that I'd reported, been reporting there for years. They took the statements made by these uh, domestic terrorists as true, allowed their fake profiles to infiltrate other community pages in that town. They were tricked into the propaganda. They sat back and watched their community under attack, their elected officials under attack at meetings because they bought into their propaganda. Their elected officials were rushed upon at the podium. 
slandered, defamed. Those elected officials who were threatened, their families threatened, they relied upon, they chose not to rerun for office, not because they did anything wrong, but the risk to their families were so severe, the threat was so severe of terrorist attacks to their home and to their loved ones, that many that had community service track records of great service spanning over 10 years threw in the towel and said it's not worth running for office. The town was duped into complicity despite my attempts to stop the hijack. I had to watch this happen in the community I knew and loved my entire life. That FOIA request was a discovery that linked that elected official to extremist movements throughout the state that quickly moved to domestic terrorism tactics. She went on to do similar things in other Illinois communities. They continued to recruit. So that one FOIA request started a two and a half year vendetta that still exists today. They want me to stop reporting and I need to keep reporting on their actions. They run over 30 Facebook sites using something called stochastic terrorism tactics against me. They try to harm me daily still to this day. And yet I stand here a daily survivor of the new wave of domestic terrorism. Stochastic terrorism is the tactic that many of these far-right extremist uh, individuals are using against elected officials and against journalists and activists. Stochastic terrorism is first when they use online platforms or media to dehumanize someone. After they dehumanize them, for example, calling me names or saying I am someone that I'm not or implying that I'm broke or on government subsidies or anything else that they think the right wing is going to grab onto. They then move to something called demonizing. So in my instance, they were placing pictures of my face on bodies of devils and Jabba the Hutt and dinosaurs and anything negative they could find, including even garbage cans. That is to demonize me so that to the public, not only am I a bad person that they dehumanized, but now I'm a demon, which means people feel the need to eradicate me from this earth. So that brings in the third part of stochastic terrorism, which is the call to action. This is where you find the lone wolves talked about in the news all the time. Someone trying to go shoot some, you know, some groups or people or harming others. Uh, look at the Nancy Pelosi attack. Her husband was attacked by a lone wolf. So the constant online rhetoric and in uh, even on TV, in radio, that constant rhetoric of stochastic terrorism is used to dehumanize and demonize people and call those lone wolves into action to feel like they're doing the justice to the world. The problem is the stuff that they used to dehumanize and demonize me were all false. They used it as a tactic. It wasn't who I was. It made me look really interesting, um, more interesting than my life really was as a journalist and a mom, um, but that is what they do. And then the fourth part of stochastic terrorism is when something happens, they don't take the blame. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. It's the Charles Manson out. You know, Charles Manson sent people to do his dirty deeds and uh, tried to claim innocent, and it doesn't work. They also rock something against me called the Darvo tactic. DARVO is when police officers show up or any law enforcement or attorneys, D stands for deny they did it. I didn't do that. Then the A is accuse them. 
I didn't do that. Bonnie did that to me. Bonnie's been coming after me. And then the RVO in, Dar- in Darvo stands for reverse victim offender. Now they're acting like the victim. I really wish that she would stop reporting on me. I didn't do anything. Um, so Darvo is a tactic that they're using across the states is with the stochastic terrorism as a part of their playbook. This is the playbook that I have uncovered. It's a playbook we're going to be talking about a lot on this show, um, bringing in experts to talk about as well. However, for me, it led to a lot of online stalking, constant surveillance in my home, uh, trying to find my location to incite lone wolves to show up and actually encouraging it. It happened on two occasions. They contact my family, my friends, my jobs, my associates, clients, and even posted about my minor child and a five-year-old nephew. At one point, they created a Facebook page just to use my deceased boyfriend's images to make fun of him, to terrorize me. Their goal is to break people mentally, if not physically. The stories they told about me in my life made me seem interesting. I sounded like some unemployed, broke, immoral drug dealer running a halfway house, pimp, prostitute maybe, with no education or life. Reality is, I have a PhD, ABD, work in the Fortune 500 corporate education space, take care of a family, house, vehicles, my RV, I travel, I coach youth sports. I'm a successful business owner of multiple businesses and a well-known part-time journalist. It's not what you get if you Google my name. To most people, this attention will be comical. Who doesn't like their own paparazzi until you realize that they're posting this 10 times a day for over 700 days straight just for the stochastic terrorist tactics. And they're doing this to all journalists right now. Anyone that doesn't support their far-right agendas and extremism or terrorism. But how do you ask people to harm somebody else? Isn't that the definition of a coward? When did we go okay to talk dirt about somebody and not expect to be popped in the nose? Why wouldn't they think someday that might be what I do if I see them on a the street? They use these tactics for intimidation and fear, but they're cowards. I'm not afraid of them. And because of that, they started using my business names, my trademarks, my logos, using threats to try to extort me, try to give my business to their online uh, right-wing propaganda site and try to take my customers so that they can grow. And they're going to use those things of mine, like my copyrights and my images and names, to take them regardless if I hand them over. They're hell-bent on revenge because I keep reporting on the scams and illegal activities by these groups. And they go city to city and continue to do it. I didn't give up. I survived corporate espionage, extortion, stalking, hacking of my computers, filing of false reports against me, perjury in the courts against me, trademark infringement, intimidation of my witnesses in court, cyber stalking, threats, framing, and other crimes against me. They were all filed with local law enforcement, placed in a file cabinet somewhere. And anyone that tries to tell me I should have followed up with law enforcement, no worries. I had five failed orders of protection, over 30 police reports, evidence sent to Homeland Security and feds, and all local law enforcement bodies in two different states with no help coming. It is through my experience that I learned a few things. One, local police do not stop domestic terrorism. If you think a teen boy is about to shoot up a school, and you're right, 
But that is domestic terrorism. And you try to contact your local police about it. They are not checking that lead. These are, quote, above their pay grade, unquote, as I've heard over a dozen police officers stay on every state level. The feds don't respond to these leads. Extremists are trying to defund the feds right now. They have their own fight on their hands. The bottom line is the only people who could stop the spread of radicalizing extremists and domestic terrorists are the media and the citizens of our great nation. Those that believe in true democracy. Those that believe that they are purposely circumventing our votes and our rights to vote and choose our elected officials by intimidating them to push them out of office, by trying to gain their seats through appointment, not election, and other crimes that they're using, such as using FOIAs to request personal documents about private citizens in order to extort them or that of elected officials and their families. I have found through my investigative journalism organizations that are setting up in all the middle schools and high schools to indoctrinate your children into hate speech and anti-government stances to radicalize them, which is funny because they're trying to point away and say that the trans community is doing that to indoctrinate your children immorally. Why they're continuously setting up new operations, at least across the state of Illinois and beyond, to radicalize our children. I have uncovered their indoctrinate of sheriffs and state's attorneys, police, and other high-ranking positions so that they won't be held accountable for their actions. I have found the online news sources that this movement has is, is paid big money to open up and the ones that they are buying out so that they can push their propaganda and not be reported on for the movements that they're doing. They hold seminars acting like experts. I understand the tactics that they're using, their playbooks, the crimes and types of crimes they commit, and the motive and setup behind this movement. They are using tactics to infuriate people to run for office, trying to disband townships and other government offices, causing insurgency and more. And the citizens of this country know nothing about it because they bought out the papers. Dark money, billionaire money, funding all this movement. It truly is the rich against all of us. The rich brainwashing us to their own goals and agendas and creating their own militia. And let us be honest, the Republican Party gains most of their votes from an aging population. To stay high on voters' minds, something had to be done, something new, some, something drastic, a new movement. Well, the Republican Party does not like that these hate groups are taking over their party either, though. They don't want to be known as anti-government or white nationalists, but they can't control their own factions. The money is too deep. Working with the Illinois Reporter, we decided the best way to address this nation's rising crisis is to educate the public about things that other news sources are either too afraid to talk about or bought out and can no longer report on. But journalism is under attack. My experiences and knowledge made me a great candidate to host this show, and I look forward to meeting our experts and sharing our knowledge with you and with the world. We have a severe crisis on our hands. Biden has been publicly making announcements about trying to stop this domestic terrorism. A new law just went up uh, on, the, on the books. We're hoping it gets passed to help address and find people for the hate speech online. But there are so many other laws that need to be passed and safety measures put in play. And sometimes that means it's too late. For people like me, journalists who have been under attack for over two and a half years, 
it's too late to help me. These laws won't come in effect for a couple years and have the people to monitor and maintain it. But we fight the fight and we stand tall and we still become survivors on a daily basis to inform people of what is really going on, to inform of tactics, to educate on how to spot it, to not buy in and be radicalized, uh, to not jump onto the bandwagon because you don't know what the truth really is. And so for the next couple of years, until we're able as a country and nation to put things in place, to put this under control and preserve what our children's rights are going to be in the future and what our children's lives in the future are going to look like, some of us stand up and fight. And so here we are. That wraps up our discussion for today on resist extremism. Please visit our other topics on the IllinoisReporter.com and you'll see some of my stories. And thank you for the hard work by Illinois political writers and their investigative team for the information that's supplied for these podcasts and the setting up of our guests for our future podcasts. We will see you all next time. Enjoy your day.